This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews, and he came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. And Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown up? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter God's kingdom without being born of water and the Spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it's going. And so it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak what we know and testify to what we've seen, and yet you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The gospel of the Lord. And so, Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, we pray that we would hear not just the words of men, but the words of God. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I want to take a part of that gospel reading as my text this morning from John's Gospel, chapter 3. I want us to concentrate on the first few verses, verses 1 through 8. If you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 1055. John's Gospel, chapter 3, and beginning at verse 1. And so Jesus says, you must be born from above. You must, he says, be born from above. And Jesus says this because according to Jesus, if we would experience the kingdom of God for ourselves, which in our text Jesus describes as seeing the kingdom and entering the kingdom, we must be born from above. And so according to Jesus, this is not an option as if there were uh, maybe more than one kind of Christian, you know, the born-again kind or the born-from-above kind and those who are not. And still what Jesus is saying can sound rather confusing. Indeed, it certainly was confusing to Nicodemus. And perhaps it's confusing to you as well. 
Now, in order for us to understand um, our text in its broader context, we have to back up just a little bit, and that's what I'd like us to do. And so if you have your Bible, take a look at chapter 2, beginning at verse 23, which is just before chapter 3. But notice that, uh, John chapter 2, beginning at verse 23. And John writes, now when Jesus was in Jerusalem, in fact, that's where this is all happening. When Jesus was in Jerusalem for the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs, the miraculous signs that he was doing. Verse 24, but Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man. That is to say that nobody needed to tell Jesus what people are thinking or what they're feeling. Verse 25, for he, he himself knew what was in man. And then we come to our story in chapter 3 and verse 1, interestingly enough, and it says, and now there was a man. <laughs> and so Jesus himself knew what was in man, and now here's one that he knows all about. And so verse 1, chapter 3, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, and this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, teacher, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And so John tells us that Nicodemus, this man that came to Jesus by night, was a Pharisee. That is, Nicodemus was a member of one of the major religious sects in Jesus' day, the Pharisees. In fact, you read quite a bit about the Pharisees in the Gospels, including here. And Nicodemus, John tells us, was not only a Pharisee. Indeed, as John describes him, he was also a ruler of the Jews, meaning that he was a member of the ruling council in Jerusalem that we commonly know as the Sanhedrin. Nicodemus was a big shot, a very, very powerful man, and one wonders what he might have paid in order to have a seat amongst the 70 ruled by the high priest in Jerusalem on that council that we know as the Sanhedrin. F.F. F. Bruce, in his book, New Testament History, writes about the Sanhedrin. He said, in the New Testament, the Sanhedrin is, is variously called the council or the body of elders or the senate. At other times, it's described in terms of its component parts. For instance, sometimes it's described as the chief priests and the Pharisees or the chief priests, the elders and the scribes or the rulers and elders and scribes. And part of that is used as a description for Nicodemus. He's described as a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews. He is a member of the Sanhedrin, the same Sanhedrin, by the way, that in a few years after this would condemn Jesus before the Romans to death.
And John says that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. That's a rather interesting phrase. Sometimes it means something quite heavy. I, don't, I hope it doesn't mean something quite as heavy as when in the 13th chapter of John, Jesus tells his disciples that one of you is going to betray me and they're all wondering who that is. And Peter says to John, who's, who's reclining right next to Jesus, John, ask him who he means. And Jesus says, it's him to whom I dip the sup and give it. And he dipped the bread in the wine and gave it to Judas. And, Jude, and he said to Judas, what you do, do quickly. And it says, and Judas went out to betray him and it was night. And when you read the Gospel of John, there's this contrast all the time between the light and the darkness and the light and the darkness. And Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And those who love the darkness love the darkness for their deeds are evil. But I'm thinking, and I'm not necessarily alone on this, that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night perhaps because he preferred not to be seen talking to Jesus. Indeed, Jesus was a controversial figure, and not least of which with many of the leading members of the Sanhedrin, uh, Nicodemus's colleagues, which I suppose he wouldn't want to be uh, on the out with them if he didn't have to be. But we read about this even in the Gospel of John. So in John chapter 12, for instance, beginning at verse 42, it says, and many, even of the, the authorities, believed in Jesus, but for fear of the Pharisees. They did not confess it, confess it openly, so they might not be put out of the synagogue. Verse 43, and this is John's take on it. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. So they weren't willing to risk it. Or in chapter 7, and this specifically makes note of Nicodemus himself. In chapter 7, beginning at verse 45, it says, because the Pharisees had sent some of their officers, members of the, of the, uh, of the temple guard, actually to go arrest Jesus. <laughs> and so when they came back, uh, chapter 7, beginning at verse 45, and the officers, the officers came to the chief priests and the Pharisees, who said to them, why didn't you bring them? <laughs> And the officer said, no one ever spoke like that man. They listened to Jesus. They forgot why they were there. <laughs> and they certainly didn't uh, feel that apparently that it was right or their place. I, I suppose maybe they were afraid to grab him. The officer said, no one ever spoke like this. The Pharisees answered them, have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? Now Nicodemus is getting nervous. Verse 49. But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Verse 50. Nicodemus, who had gone to him, gone to Jesus before at night, and who was one of them, a secret believer, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? Verse 52, And they replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. And still Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. And John says in verse 2 that Nicodemus said to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher 
come from God, for no one can do these miraculous signs that you do unless God is with him. And so Nicodemus respects Jesus, even if somewhat secretly he calls him rabbi, which was is not to be taken lightly coming from a man with such a high position as Nicodemus. Seemingly, Nicodemus is one of those who believed in Jesus because he saw these signs that Jesus was doing. And Nicodemus believes in Jesus at least at the level at which he himself describes. As he says in verse 2, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one could do these things that you do if God was not with him. And so Nicodemus believed that Jesus was a teacher come from God. Of course, Jesus is much more than that. And so what Jesus or what Nicodemus believes about Jesus is not enough. But apart from that, Nicodemus had an even more fundamental spiritual problem. And so John says that Jesus answered Nicodemus, we would, you know, think that Jesus would say, well, I'm so glad you came. You know, I don't know any members of the Sanhedrin, and I'm so flattered that you would call me rabbi, especially given what I am in the eyes of some people. And Jesus doesn't go anywhere with that. He knows all men, all women. He knows you. He knows Nicodemus. He knows me. And so Jesus... Look past Nicodemus' fault and addresses his need. And so John says in verse 3, And Jesus answered Nicodemus, Truly, truly, in the Greek it's amen, amen. It's like a solemn statement. Truly, truly, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless one is born again or born from above, which is perhaps the better rendering, Unless one is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so notwithstanding Nicodemus' less than complete understanding of who Jesus is, Nicodemus had an even more fundamental spiritual problem, which problem Jesus points out. But Nicodemus doesn't get it. He'd never heard language apparently like this before. Jesus was, by the way, rather in the habit of saying things that people didn't quite grasp. That's what happens when God comes and takes up residence amongst us in human flesh. Don't feel too bad if when you read the scriptures, you don't understand everything right off. In fact, when you're reading the scriptures, what I would say would be a good, uh, a good thing to do is just do the bits you do understand and you'll be in pretty good standing. And so uh, Nicodemus doesn't get it. Indeed, notice verse 4, Nicodemus said to Jesus, how can a man be born when he's old? He knew that being born from above is another birth and he's already been born once. How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And so Nicodemus uh, isn't getting it. Indeed, he's thinking only in terms of what he knows about physical birth. But what Jesus is talking about is a spiritual rebirth. 
In fact, there's talk of this same subject in the first chapter of John. John chapter 1 and beginning at verse 11. You may be familiar with this. Indeed, that's one of the famous parts of the Gospel of John, the prologue. But in the prologue, we read, beginning at verse 11, And he, Jesus, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Verse 12, But to all who did receive him and believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, which is three ways of talking, of making reference to physical birth, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. And this is what Jesus is talking about. But Nicodemus wasn't getting it, and so Jesus takes another shot. Notice verse 5. And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. There's different views on the water bit. We think we know about the Holy Spirit. There are references in the Old Testament and the New which brings this water and Spirit together, or part of the part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is a washing and a cleansing. And assuming that Jesus is talking about one particular thing in several different ways, that's what he's talking about here. Whoever is, if one is, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, is the same as of one being born again, which is the same as one being born from above, which is the same as being born of God. And so Jesus repeats what he said before in a slightly different way. Namely, that experiencing the kingdom of God, which... Jesus is very much, and I was going to say he assumes, he knows that Nicodemus is interested in that. And so he's telling him how to experience it. That experiencing the kingdom of God is not just about something you do, which was a common belief. In fact, it's a common belief yet today. But even more fundamentally, experiencing the kingdom of God is about something that happens to you. It's about something that God does and that we experience. And so this is the, 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 one of the primary points of the metaphor of, of birth. You didn't birth yourself. <laughs> you were born. It happened to you. And after you're born, then you begin to talk and then you begin to interact. But none of that happens. And then you begin to obey. And then you begin to be creative. And all the things that human beings do. But that all happens, at least in community. In addition to one's mother. After birth. It's kind of reminded me of something that Donald Miller wrote in his, about faith in his book, Blue Like Jazz. He said, believing in God is as much like falling in love as it is about making a decision. Love is both something that happens to you and something that you do. Listen to that again. Believing in God is much like falling in love. It's, it's as much about making, it's, it's, excuse me, believing in God is as much 
like falling in love as it is about making a decision. Love is both something that happens to you and something that you do. And that's exactly right. Although we more often than not get the order wrong. But this idea of God being the one who initiates and God is the one who births and, and God is the one who calls and we respond. In fact, if you read the scriptures from cover to cover, God is always the one who's initiating and we're, what we do relative to God is always a response to what God has initiated. And that's part of what Jesus is talking to. In fact, when you come to the sixth chapter of this same Gospel of John, Jesus says in verse 44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. The reason why people come to him is because the Father draws. The reason why you come to him, if you have come to him, or you are coming to him, is because he's drawing you. And so Jesus says, and it can't happen any other way. As if you could pull yourself up by your own spiritual bootstraps. Or in Acts chapter 16 and verse 14, famously the story about Lydia, the seller of purple, at that prayer meeting down by the river in Philippi where there weren't enough men traditionally to start a synagogue. So there was a prayer meeting. And when Paul came to Philippi with his entourage, they went down where they heard about this meeting and Paul shared the gospel with this group. We found the Messiah, the Messiah, Yeshua of Nazareth. He died for our sins and rose again. And then we read in Acts 16 and verse 14, and one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. That is, she was a Gentile who generally attended synagogue and sat in the place that was designated for such people. And Luke says, and the Lord opened her heart to pay attention, to receive, to respond to what Paul was saying. Or in Acts again, chapter 13 and verse 48, Luke writes, and when the Gentiles heard this, heard the gospel, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of God. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. Who believed? Those whom God was working with, causing to be born again. You're born and you respond. In other places where we don't even think of this, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, famously, and Paul says, and if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. You don't create yourself. God is the creator of things spiritual and physical. And we are the byproduct of his divine action. And so if we're a new creation, it's because he made us that way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this is what we would think of as somebody who's believing and trusting and following. He's a, a new creation. She's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come because this person has been made new. And verse 18, and all of this is from God. 
And so Jesus continues with Nicodemus in verse 6 of our text, and he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit, and he's, you see, he's identifying two kinds of birth, physical birth and spiritual birth. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Or the way in which the New Living Translation puts it, humans, humans can produce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives life, gives birth to the spiritual life. And Jesus continues, he says, don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it wishes. And it's interesting, the word breath, the word wind, the word spirit is the same in the Hebrew and the Greek. One word and all of those translations can be used and the context determines it. But ruach in the Hebrew and pneuma in the Greek from which we get pneumatic tools and it's tools that's, that are powered by air. <laughs> don't marvel that I said to you you must be born again the wind the pneuma blows where it wishes the wind the spirit it blows where it wishes you hear its sound you hear its effects you see its effects you hear the rustling in the trees and you see the branches waving but you don't know where it comes from and you don't know where it goes and Jesus says, and so it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Just trust me, Nicodemus. You wouldn't understand even if I went into too great detail about it. But believe me, Nicodemus, you must be born from above if you would see and enter and experience the kingdom of God. William Edgar, in the book Finding God at Harvard, wrote this. He said, in the Bible, God invites the reader to entrust and invest his or her whole life to Christ. And he said, and I, and I did that. But I didn't first become a good person. Rather, I first became an alive person. And that's the thing that was missing from Nicodemus' life when he came to Jesus by night. Nicodemus was interested in Jesus and he respected Jesus and he believed that Jesus was a teacher sent from God because of all the miraculous signs that Jesus was performing. But Jesus said that there's still one thing. In fact, it's the most important thing. It's the most essential thing, Nicodemus. And it's missing. And so I wonder, do you sense that there's maybe something perhaps missing in your own relationship with Jesus? You're interested. <laughs> And you know he's good. And you believe various different things. You give mental assent that he's the son of God. That he rose from the dead and all of the facts and so on. The things that are 
enumerated for us in the creeds. But something's missing. And perhaps the thing that was missing in Nicodemus's life, Nicodemus was a, a clergyman, and that of the highest order. We might say he was a member of the house of bishops. But perhaps the thing that was missing in Nicodemus's life is the same thing that's missing in your own. For Jesus said, you must be born from above. Let us pray. It's not about us, Lord, of keeping the rules. Although obedience is important, in fact, that's part of the fruit that Jesus said, and you shall know them by their fruits. You shall know them by the fruits of their lives as to what sort of tree they are, what sort of person they are. But that's, a, that's evidence of a deeper thing and that deeper thing is the thing that you work in us sovereignly. Indeed, even our own faith, is, which is so very much our own, even in that famous passage from Ephesians chapter 2, is described as a gift from God. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd be merciful to us, that the thing that was missing in Nicodemus's life wouldn't be a thing missing from our own but that we would be truly born of you and that that heritage and that seed, that, that relationship in which you be truly become father to us would be seen in our lives, that we would be true children of God. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.